Paddy, welcome to The Salvation Show. I've got, thir- I've got 30 questions here and you have to answer as many of them as you can in oh one dear. minute's time. Oh, this is not starting <laughs> good. No, no. Okay. <laughs> so, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Oh, that's a, well, that's a, that's a, that's a, that is a good one. Um, I'd love to be a professional musician, to be perfectly honest with you. What's your favorite word? Absolutely. Your mastermind topic? Mastermind topic would be probably the novels of Pat McCabe. What sound or noise do you hate? Drummers. What turns you off? <laughs> drummers. <laughs> sound check and drummers. Drives me bananas. Do you be- I hope you're not a drummer. <laughs> do you believe in karma? Absolutely. Android or iPhone? Android. What sound or noise do you love? Um... Jimi Hendrix. Your hangover cure. Um, no, I've been, trying to, I've been trying to avoid them. Being in court at 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> TV guilty pleasure. TV guilty pleasure at the minute is The Last of Us. And that's it. That's all you've got. Is that 30? Oh. <laughs> is that mild in a minute? <laughs> Take it away. Anyway, you're all very welcome to the Salvation Show uh, podcast. I'm Paddy Mack. And uh, as you can see, I'm on my own today. Sean is in bed with a virus. I think that's her name anyway. (laughs) (laughs) And Alvaro couldn't be here due to uh, family uh, commitments. So uh, I have a very, very special guest. This gentleman, I'm a fan of this guy. He is a very well-known musician and solicitor. And I want to introduce you to the great, the one and only Paddy Goodwin. Paddy, well, you're very welcome. Thanks very much, Paddy. And I'm, I'm a big fan of yours. Yeah, you're well. only saying that because it's true. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Paddy's here to talk about Paddy, you have a new album out at the moment. Yeah. You had a great night on Saturday night. Fantastic night. And Fantastic. lots of lots of videos and everything. But we're going to, we, we've done this on radios, but I'd like people to see you and talk about it. But tell me about Paddy Goodwin. Well, Paddy Goodwin is, is some, something of a dichotomy, is what I'd say, because I think I may have said this to you in the radio. I, in my day job, I'm a lawyer, which is uh, very pressurized most of the time. But um, to get away from that pressure, I love playing music. I've loved playing music since about 1976. And I put together this album, which is my first album. Um, somebody, somebody said to me earlier on in the court that uh, if you keep, producing them at this rate you might get to a second album <laughs> you never know um, but I'm just having the best of crack out of having this album out the reaction to it has just been astounding Paddy just and a lot of people have taken on board a lot of radio stations mm, mm. and a lot of press coverage yeah yeah. especially the one you're a fan of the uh, Musical Express they, well, well, well the Hot Press Hot actually, Press Hot Press actually give us a nine star review which is astounding. I mean, I was I was hoping for a good review, but nine stars. The only other people that got a nine star reviews in the, in the current hot press are Elvis Costello and Bert Bacharach. Wow! Know, so if I'm, up, if I'm up with them, I'm quite happy. But, <laughs> but do you know what? What really, really, I think stood out to people when you overtook the number one slot of Harry Styles. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm never, I'm never gonna. Stop mouthing about that now for the rest of my life. To be fair, how, how did you feel when you seen it? Did it you was, know when you it was just incredible because the thing thing was, Paddy, I actually didn't know that the album was for sale on iTunes. I actually didn't know. A friend of mine had texted me around half eleven on the Monday morning saying, "Oh, I bought your album. It's brilliant. It's great." And I was thinking, 
how could he have bought the album? I didn't realise mm. that the album was actually for sale on iTunes. And about an hour or two later, somebody else texted me saying, you're number three in the iTunes charts. Well, I, I couldn't mm. believe it. And then some time later, I became number one, which was just just astounding. I mean, it's, it's something that I never even envisaged because I didn't even know it was up there, yeah. you know. But it was great. But it, it's, it's a great feeling, isn't it? Oh, unbelievable. Yeah, but uh, to let people know that Paddy, of course, is, is a, a lawyer, and you live in Drogheda, mm -hmm. but you're from Clonus. I'm originally from Clonus. Yeah, County and uh, the great story we have to tell have to tell the uh, people that tune into the Salvation Show. How did you become a solicitor? Well, I arrived in Drogheda in a kind of roundabout fashion. I I um, went to college in, in in Trinity, and I did uh, two very useful subjects: Irish and philosophy. Um, and I would have graduated around 1985, 85. And at, at that time, I actually wanted to be a producer in RTE. And I got on a panel to become a producer because I'd run for the um, Trinity College Students' Union. And that was always a great great way of getting in to, um, to RTE. Anya Lawler was one of my contemporaries and, and mm. Jerry Ryan had be, been in, in Students' Union previous to that and there were a lot of people got in that way. And I remember um, I had Ian Wilson. Do you remember Ian Wilson that yeah. did the, the, the Dave Fanning show? Ian Wilson and Bill Whelan were me referees looking for the job Brilliant. in RTE, but there was no job. So I ended up, I set up a record shop. A friend of mine who was working on the ends with me was saying, oh, Drotter needs a kind of rock and roll record shop. So I set that up in the summer of 85. And that went fantastically well until uh, HMV and Virgin set up in Dublin. And then the turnover went down by about half. Yeah. And a lot of people, you remember, I'm sure everybody in, in Dundalk was the same, an awful lot of people were emigrating, whether they could do it illegally to America yeah. or legally to London. So a hell of a lot of people were, 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 were going to London. In fact, I worked in London after I went, went bust in the record shop at one stage. And I counted 72 people in the pub that I knew from Drogheda. Unreal, isn't it? Unbelievable. Now that, yeah, that's about, you know, that's 1988 or so. But what happened was I, um, I went bust. And I was sharing a house with a guy who was a solicitor. And I said, well, if that boy can do it, I'll do it. And uh, <laughs> Was he a dope? Uh, no, he was no, no. He, he he had actually gone through the, you know, to do it properly. You go, you go doing a bloody law degree for the for yeah. starters, or you do. Uh, there was a two year course you could do in Rathmines at the time that that you could. You know, it was another way of getting a law degree, and um, I didn't have the money to do that, and I simply went home to Clonus and I I got the books and I studied eight to ten hours a day, and eventually I got through. Um, but while I was doing that, I was actually playing. I was playing six six nights. Now, back in the day, you could play six could nights. Play, yeah. In fact, we could have played seven nights. Yeah. But we wanted we wanted Monday off. We used to have a what we called a mad Monday, <laughs> the Monday club. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so I I I learned the stuff myself, and I, I'm I'm sure I'm the only lawyer that you can hear hear saying that. Be perfectly blunt, you know. Yeah, but there is a. a you know, there, there, it, there are a lot of people who are going into law would have to study and do the courses and do everything. But it was amazing that you said, I can do that. What mm. if he had been a plumber? 
Might have done the same thing. <laughs> might, might have done the same thing. You don't know. You know. You know it. Oh, here's Paddy the plumber. Yeah. <laughs> Not Paddy the plumber. No, it could well be. The other thing, Paddy, is that I had no no relatives at all involved in law. So I, I really Well, was, on this side of it. Yeah. yeah <laughs> not, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, it was it was tough even having got the, the yeah. exams to get an apprenticeship. But, I mean, it's all worked out very well. It worked out fantastic. Like, if anyone said to me, you know Paddy Goodwin? I said, oh, yeah, Paddy the solicitor and the musician. Yeah. But it always comes forward. But you, you said you were going from 1976. You've always played in bands and all yeah. that. Yeah. But uh, who, who was your influence? The first influence was Horselips because Horselips were the only rock band that came anywhere near Clonus. Mm. And they used to uh, play in Clonus quite often. And, and actually, in actual fact, at some stage, we were talking about the hot press earlier on, there was a magazine called Scene Magazine. And I was a precocious looking gobshite now, to be honest. And I had an article published in Scene magazine, a, a review of a horselips gig. Mm. And they knew they got to know me through that. And that's how I, I got to start um, playing support. And again, that's about seven. That'd be about 77 ish. 77. 77. Yeah, they were just coming to the forefront then. Yeah. Yeah. I remember them playing in Dundalk the first time I told you this on the radio. And there was people leaving because they thought it was a Cayley band. Yeah. You know, they didn't realize it was a trad rock, you know. But then the following time they came to the Imperial, you couldn't, Jesus, you couldn't even get up the street with the crowds. Yeah, I yeah, know, they were crowded. They were fabulous. And I seen uh, one of our clips such a gig. The two, well, and, uh, two of them, two, two of them, them were actually, the Jim Lockhart, the keyboard player, yeah. it was, was uh, Jim has done a lot of stuff on the album. Yeah. And Barry Devlin has done Barry Bar Devlin. Yeah. I remember Barry, the bass player, mm -hmm. because I always wanted to be a bass player. I still do. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I remember seeing them and I said, oh God, I haven't seen them in a long, long while. But uh, the, your influence was horse lips. Would it, would it always, your influence, do you, you sort of do more blues than Well, the than start rock. the start of it for me, the start and end of it for me to a large extent is still Johnny Fiend. You know, mm, I yeah. I learned how to play the guitar simply by watching him and by standing in front of him on the stage and trying to figure out what's he doing there. Oh, at the time, I hadn't a clue what he was doing. Yeah. But, you know, now in retrospect, yeah, I know what he was. And I was very, very honored to play alongside him. And, you know, he's played a lot of gigs with me in the last in the last 10 or 12 years. And he's still my absolute hero. Yeah. He's just a fantastic, fantastic oh. guitar player. And I'm such Brilliant a lovely guitar. fellow. He's well, Johnny Fein, in case uh, our listeners don't know, was the guitar player with Horst. Yeah, yeah. Unbelievable player. And you see, back then, Paddy, it's it's easy to play the guitar, to learn to play the guitar now because there's so much stuff. Yeah. I mean, there's nearly too much stuff on YouTube that you can learn whatever you like. Mm -hmm. But back then, there was nothing. I mean, there was absolutely nothing. And it was just a question of looking and trying trying to pick out what you could. And I, I think I was saying to you on the radio, you know, if you had a, a 45, you'd, you'd bring it down to 33 oh, and a third to, to try and, and figure out yeah. what the notes were. I mean, it yeah. was a but, totally different But isn't day. it amazing? I, I don't know when, when the first guitar came out, but it has never changed. But yet, everywhere you go on it, there's something different. Yeah. You yeah. can learn. You know, it's an amazing instrument. Uh, I know people at pianos and all this and then go up and when we look at them, you say, oh my God, how do you not remember where you are? Mm -hmm. But on a guitar, you're learning something. Like if you, if you play a major C, there's so many ways you can play it up the board. Yeah. Yeah. Like it never changed. And then, of course, the sounds. 
that like Gary Moore, my God Almighty, what a player! Yeah, unbelievable. You know, and the sounds together. And I know a, a friend of mine is unbelievable guitar player, but he doesn't use pedals. Right. It's yeah. just the way he cranks it. Yeah. No. No. You and John, Johnny would be the same. And, and for years, I never used pedals myself. I, I I always think there's there's an element of smoke and mirrors when I see yeah. when, I, when I see somebody arriving in with a with a pedal board the size of the table there. Yeah. I, I automatically assume that they can't play to be perfectly honest. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they need they need all this trickery. Well, why not just play the bloody guitar? You know. Yeah. Um, but you know, through Johnny, I I discovered Free, um, who are. Probably me, my ultimate. Well, in terms of world bands, Free yeah. were my ultimately classic m- band. Or unbelievable band. Uh, the guitar player called Paul Kossoff. Yeah, I just loved Paul Kossoff. He was and, a great, great player. Uh, he's uh, he's a fantastic. You know, he's a huge hero of mine. And uh, it's funny now. I was just this morning talking on on email to his girlfriend. She's bringing out a book about him. Oh, lovely! And I'm doing the lawyer for it. Oh yeah, which is a remarkable, you know. Isn't that incredible? He, like, isn't he, it? he he died in nineteen seventy six. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, she's in touch with me. Uh, we play this game. Play, I don't know if you're familiar with this thing on the phone. It's called Quiz Planet. No, oh, it's a, no, it's a crazy, crazy game. We play that <laughs> all the time. But it's uh, but I'm actually looking at the proofs for the Paul Consult oh, book, right. which may well may or may not come out. At some stage before the end of the year, which is fun. for me, it's just such an honor. It'd be an interesting reader. Oh, absolutely! A lot, lot of uh, great guitar players. I think Paul actually influenced people to buy the Les Paul, the Les Paul, Mm -hmm. because I know there was a lot of Les Paul players, but it was the gold one. Yeah, you know, everybody wanted a gold. It was either gold or black. Yeah, and then the sunburst came out, and a few more. Mm. Now, I wouldn't be a Gibson fan myself. I'm a Fender Fender Holic, as I'm known as. Right. Yeah. And I love Fender guitars and that, but the sound of them. But uh, an amazing sound, especially in All Right Now, when yeah. you've done it. You know, it's classic. Oh, incredible. And when you think how young they were, I think Very he was, young. I think he was 17 yeah. when All Right Now came out. I mean, he wasn't, maybe I'm wrong by a year, but he wasn't more than 18. Yeah. He was an incredible player. Incredible uh, player. B- and, brilliant. And uh, the guy Rogers, wasn't it? Yeah, Paul singer. Rogers. Paul. Yeah. And then he went on to sing with Queen when Freddie Mercury yeah. died. Well he, well, he went on with this, to form Bad Company then yeah. with Simon Kirk. And it's gas because I, Bad Company played in, in Dublin, must be eight years ago now. But my one of my best mates was the, I mentioned him on the show the other day, in actual fact, Brian Rat Murphy. Rat. Was the <laughs> drummer in my original band. And we used to call him Rat after Rat Scabies from the Damned, you know. And uh, I, I spent a fortune on getting these tickets, uh, meet and greet tickets yeah. in in the the O3 or whatever you call it. And we went in to get our photographs taken with, with Paul Rogers and, and Simon Kirk. And a number of years ago, for me mates, uh, 50th birthday, I'd got him a leather jacket with Paul Kossoff on the back. And we go into this thing, and you're you're really just chivied in and out of the place. Mm. You know, it's just go in, get a photograph. Don't you? you yeah. You, you, they, yeah. They, they won't sign anything for you. Mm. It's just get the photograph and get them out, out as quick as you can. But when Simon Kirk, who would be my mate Rat's absolute hero as a drummer, mm. saw Paul Kossoff, he was saying to Paul Rogers, "Hey, he's got uh, he's got Koss on the back of his jacket. Would you see this, Paul?" Yeah. And it made his life. It oh, made his that, life. Yeah. It was just incredible. Oh, Unbelievable. That, yeah. yeah. It was just great. Oh, it's, it's marvelous. But uh, you, you also, 
we hadn't time to talk about it, but on the radio we were talking about uh, Ronnie Lane. Oh, I love Ronnie Lane. Yeah, I always loved Ronnie, and unfortunately Ronnie passed away with uh, multiple sclerosis. Was, yeah, yeah, and I, very sad. Yeah, and my well, I, I, I don't don't did we we didn't talk that much about Henry McCullough did the other day? Didn't we? No, no, you were a big uh, good well, friend of Henry yeah. as well. Well, I, I produced an uh, an album for Henry back in two thousand and seven or two thousand and eight, and Henry used to play with Ronnie Lane. And he used to tell me these great, he loved Ronnie. Mm -hmm. I mean, he just, and you know, people might know about Henry, but Henry, Henry played at uh, Woodstock yeah. with Joe Cocker. Right. That famous version of With a Little Help My Friends. Oh yeah. That's him. That's him. Mm -hmm. He had a girlfriend, a very unknown woman from Texas called Janice Joplin. Oh, oh yeah. I think I've heard of her. Yeah. 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 <laughs> at one stage, the ITV did a, a a documentary on him and he says uh, it's a bad day for me now when Janice Joplin introduced me to heroin in the Chelsea Hotel wow. <laughs> I kid you not it was a bad day for him do you know yeah. but Henry was quite remarkable because he was actually very friendly with Jimi Hendrix and uh, Jimi Hendrix is one of my absolute you know I, I, yeah. I just yeah. adore Jimi Hendrix and people talk about Hendrix in terms of the guitar but I think Hendrix was a poet I think if yeah, you look, days on, yeah. you mm -hmm. look at some of those lyrics that he wrote. He was just, he was just mm -hmm. amazing. Henry was amazing on so many levels, but Henry then subsequently played with Paul McCartney. He played with Wings. He played on uh, Live and Let Die. So he was, you know, he was a major, yeah. major star back then. But of all the stuff that Henry did, he loved playing with Ronnie Lane. They had a fantastic band. Yeah. And Ronnie's Dobro was up for sale in Bonhams in London and uh, I I was I was actually over for London yeah, over in London for a week and you know I, I wasn't there to, to look to, to, to go and buy the Dover but just happened to be there and yeah. I saw this auction coming up so I got the concierge from the hotel that I was staying at to say you know our Mr. Goodwin would like to see this guitar I mean and talk to your guitar expert and that was grand and I made a, an appointment with the guitar expert because they had the wrong price on it they had it priced at a grand, mm. and I knew it wasn't worth a grand. It was worth ten grand, you know. Yeah. But if I could have bought it for ten for a grand, I'm sure. Yeah. But I, you know, I thought, <laughs> well, I'll I'll have a look at this guitar anyway because he's me hero. Will go yeah. and if I could, you know, if I could buy it for a grand, I'll buy it. But I don't think I think they've got the wrong price, and I wanted to meet their guitar expert. Mm. So they arranged an interview with me and was going to go down on the Wednesday or the Thursday, whatever it was. <clears throat> no, I think it was the Wednesday, and then I thought. I looked at the catalogue again and I said, yeah, I'll tell you what we'll do. There's another guitar for sale there. And got the concierge in the hotel to ring up and oh, Mr. Goodwin would like to see the uh, guitar number 85 in the catalogue. Mm. Uh, absolutely no problem. So that's grand. And I got a call in the hotel and they're saying, um, they want to rearrange your, your interview from... Uh, the the Wednesday to the Thursday, and I said no, I can't. I'm going back to Dublin Thursday. I can't do that. It'll have to be. The way. And they said, look, we can't. The guitar expert won't be there, but you know, come along anyway. So that was that was that. And arrived down to Bonhams. Have you ever been in Bonhams? It's no. oh, it's, it's it's remarkable. It's is, it's is, is that, it's, down, it's down near Harrods. No, no, I've heard of it. But well, well, you go in, you go in the front door, and there's a Gatling gun. 
<laughs> like which was going for and like a Gatling gun from the American Civil War, mm. just straight out of you know, you know the Last Samurai, you know, yeah, yeah. and uh, and perhaps it might have been in the Last Samurai, you know, and and there was a Steinway piano that was worth probably half a million in in the, in the front hall, you know, wow. and you go in and, and they brought me into this office and this very nicely spoken girl from the home counties said, you know, Mr. Goodwin, there's a, there's a, a, a catalogue. And I thought, this is great. I'm quids in now already because the catalogue's 50 quid. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, would you like a coffee or something? I said, no, no, no. She said, well, I'll bring the, I'll be back with the two guitars presently. I said, that's very nice. Thanks very much. So she came in and she put one guitar on the table and she put one on, on the floor and she said, now, Mr. Goodwin, which of these guitars would you would you care to to play now? I said, well, what's this one on the table? And she said, that's Mr. Hendrix's guitar. I said, well, you know, it's on the table, so we'll have to take it out and have a go with it. Yeah. <laughs> so it was Hendrix's guitar. Wow. It was an Epiphone guitar. Yeah. That was for sale, oh, I, I, you know, seven, six or seven years ago. And the estimate, I think, on it was, it was an Epiphone, that was an acoustic guitar. And he used to sit in the sit in the jacks allegedly and write songs on it, but there's a lot of pictures with them. You know, it was clearly clearly yeah, the, it clearly was, was Jimmy's was guitar, his, yeah. and I think the estimate on it was eighty five thousand. But the the rumor must have got out, Paddy, that I'd played it because it sold for two hundred and eighty five thousand. Oh, I'd say so. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, 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 things happen. Like <laughs> now, now, here's a question from someone that doesn't play guitar. When you compare uh, for me, <laughs> <laughs> if you're come in contact with something like Jimi Hendrix guitar compared to something you might get, say, at a sound shop in Dublin, is is there a, a feeling of a difference to it, or is it just the there's a there's a history associated with it, or or is there a sound? You're hoping that the history will imbue some sense of musicianship in yourself. You're hoping that you will actually um, get the spirit of Jimi Hendrix when gotcha. you're when you're playing that guitar. Now it may not happen, but you could delude yourself <laughs> yeah. that it is happening. You can try. Yeah, I, I think it's the feeling as well to know that he had. That, yeah, that's exactly. Know, it. I think it's yeah he played a hmm. you know and. Like I'm, I often wonder to Jimi Hendrix say, "Well, this is going for sale now." Paddy going, "I'm just can't wait till he plays it." You know what's yeah. <laughs> but, you know. but for Hendrix, there were simply tools. I mean, he yeah. would never. I mean, he he played a lot of new Fender Strats at the time, and um, there were simply tools at the trade. But you know, it's funny because uh, Paul Kossoff had a. Fantastic white strat. Yeah. And it's I don't know if you're familiar with the with the Backstreet Crawler album, Paddy. He has a solo album called Backstreet Crawler. Yeah, I heard of it. Yeah. And he's playing that white strat. And he as I say, he died in seventy six mm. and the guitar went for sale in the Melody Maker in around nineteen seventy seven. And I had a little band going at the time and I had a credit union loan to pay for the PA and stuff. And I think we were playing for the drums for the drummer, and and um, the guitar was for sale in the Melody Maker. I rang up the guy; he wanted four hundred and seventy-five quid for it. Jesus. Now, to put it in retrospect, or put it in perspective, now that guitar is now worth quarter of a million. Wow! Yeah, at least, yeah, mm. or at least because it, because it was Kossoff's guitar, but he wanted four hundred seventy-five quid for it, and I was saying, well, look, I'm just going to see if I can organise a loan. 
um, when I went back into the credit union, said, oh, look, no way you can get, you know, yeah. we have to pay off this loan before you get another loan. Yeah. So the guy from Iron Maiden bought the guitar. Well, it was a beautiful white Strat. And you would probably appreciate this. He made a complete hames of it. Wow. He painted it black and, and put in two humbuckers. Never change. Mm. Unbelievable. Ne never. Yeah. No one. Yeah, and I know the, a couple of guys in the 60s bought uh, Fender Strats with the big stock. Yeah. You know, you know them from yeah, the big that, stock. Yeah, that came in in 64. Yeah. yeah. And uh, because it was getting worn away, they got it relacquered. I yeah. went, oh my God. No, no. No, don't Never do that. Now, I know uh, a guitar player in our band, Toby Cowie, has a 1971 Strat. Yeah. And it is, the, the lacquer's cracking on it. That's what and, you want. Oh, and it's, the only thing he changed on it was the five-way switch. Right. it was getting a bit dirty. Right. But everything else is the original. You have to have the original. Yeah. You know, and it has to be, I'm not going to hit the counter, but it has to be American. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's so many, there's Mexican ones. There's the one, the Route 66, which is made, some was made in Canada and some was made in America. Yeah. But you have to have the American. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's essential. But but in, in terms of, just to answer your question, Christy, in terms of the playability of, of a new instrument, um, yeah. it's probably more playable in actual fact. Yeah. But there's an aura to old guitars and proper guitars yeah. that, that mm -hmm. can't be can't be replaced. And you even have this this thing now where you have the relicking guitars. Yeah. yeah. Uh, which I think is just a bit of a scam, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> but, you know. Isn't there one that uh, was in our good friend Connor Hughes' shop? It was a copy of Rory Gallagher's. Mm. And it was... Rory had this problem with uh, his sweat, whatever it was, it was wearing away the, the lacquer and all that on the guitar, but they'd done that on the guitar. Yeah. And it was 4,000 euro. Yeah. For a replica. Mm. You know, I'd, I wouldn't play, unless that I could buy Rory's guitar, but I wouldn't, wouldn't buy a replica. But there was a, an incident that happened with me. Oh, every time I think of it, I bought a Fender Mustang bass. Mm -hmm. Short scale. Yeah. yeah, for I think it was around about nineteen eighty two. Right, mm -hmm. for sixty quid. Jesus, yeah. that's for nothing. And it was a very old one. Yeah, but at the time, Lord Resson, Gino Barrows, it was <laughs> it was all wearing away, and Gino says, "You know what? You should take that down to the ward to be lovely." And we did. Yeah, because I was going to be using it anyway. Mm -hmm. Took it down to the ward and the whole lot and. Then I went away. It was getting too small for the short scale. So I went and I bought another one and I was using that. And I traded in the fender against this other one. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was sitting at home one day and I got a call from Gino who worked in Tommy Leddy's at the time. He says, uh, there's a young girl after coming in with a case, a battered case. He says, and your initials is on it. Right. He said, because I remember it. <laughs> he says, and uh, we opened it. And he says, and there's your guitar sitting on it. And she wanted it refretted, restrung, and the intonation and everything done it. She says, and we're after looking it up. He says, it's worth about 7,000 euro. Wow. Right. Yeah. 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 I couldn't get it back. In, in the condition it was in. Yeah. yeah. 
7,000. Yeah, no, no, that's... You know, I said, oh my God, because someone would have got it and respray it to back to what it was. Right. So... Uh, oh, that's, cra- that's crazy. Now I have a, a Fender Jazz bass, I think it's 93... But it's American. Right. Well, they're good bass. And I, I'm trying to sell it. So is there anyone out there? <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to recommend that bass. It's a very good yeah. bass. <laughs> yeah. But, but, I, but I, not only that, you were talking about the uh, the Dobros. Yeah. i never forget it. A friend of mine in Sligo, he probably listened to Francie Lenahan. I know Francie. You know Francie? Yeah. yeah. Francie's a great character. Yeah. yeah. Fabulous guitar Great player. guitar player. And Francie was uh, looking at one of them. Mm-hmm. And he's talking to this guy, and the man said, "Well, I don't know. It's not in yet." He says, "I want one." He says, "He says, Grant." So anyway, Francie was right. as you know, never tell your wife that you're buying a guitar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't, don't tell her it's an investment. Don't tell them about the podcast either. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but uh, Francie was after said the man, "Look, I have to go." He was playing with Ray Lynham at the time, uh-huh. and he went away anyway. But your man rang the house and says to the wife oh no oh no the, the Dobra the Dobra was in she says oh that's grand I'll let him know so Francie comes back from whatever he's doing as soon as he walked in the door she says come here if you fucking think you're taking one of them dogs into this house shop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was very, very funny. He was telling us. <laughs> yeah, but uh, Ronnie Lane, we were talking there about Ronnie. It was sad to see Ronnie. Ronnie would have yeah. been the, with the faces, of course, mm. and, or the small faces then with Rod Stewart. Yeah. But uh, he was a genius. Oh, he was, he was you know, fantastic. He was unbelievable. He did an album with with Pete Townsend called Rough Mix, which yeah. is just a fantastic album. Just an unbelievable album. And every every song is a gem on it. You know, yeah. it's just, just something else. As I say, he had a big hit and I'm sure everyone remember in the 70s it won, yeah. which was How Come. Yeah, that was and a great it's song. It's a great, the great run in D, where we used to sing it in D and it was a great run to it. But, uh, other influences. Now, I know you like a lot of music. Yeah. Any type of music. Uh, well, blues-wise, you see, I went on a journey from Horse Lips to Free, and Free were more blues-based. Mm-hmm. And then I was lucky enough that when I was when I was in college, I, I spent uh, some a few summers in Dundalk, or in Dundalk, what am I talking about? In New York. Yeah. <laughs> Not Dundalk. Easily, easily yeah, mixed. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, we, used, we used to sing a song, Dundalk, Dundalk. Yeah, 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 yeah. New York, New York. <laughs> but So I would have seen a lot of people. I would have seen, there's a small little club in Greenwich Village. So I, so I saw the likes of, of Albert Collins there. And, and just a, like a very small place, like smaller than McHugh's. Because yeah. to me, these people were absolute legends. And they were uh, like, yeah. The like of Sun Seals and... Uh, J.B. Hutto, J.B. Hutto, you know, too much alcohol that, that um, um, Rory Gallagher covered. Uh, that's yeah. J.B. Hutto's the guy who wrote that. And I, strange, strange, strange to say, and curious to relate, I ended up having a few drinks after the after the gig with J.B. Hutto. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he was he was telling me, oh, you know, you know, Pat, I got an agent. And he was just so proud that he got a, he had an agent. Yeah. But this to this guy, to me, was one of the absolute legends. 
Uh, I think he may be on the Blues Jam and Chess, the Fleetwood Mac. I, you know, he was yeah. he was one of the main guys. He's an old and old. Yeah. What, uh, was, what was the name of that famous cafe and the Gaslight Cafe? Was it where a lot of like Bob Dylan and a lot of those? Well, there were a few different places down there. There was, there was there the was, Troubadour. The Troubadour, and there was, there, was the, there was the Bitter End, and there was uh, the the other. What's the other place? Uh, the Bitter End. My my cousin actually worked in the bitter end uh, who, which was owned by a guy who owned another bar called Kenny's Castaway Pat mm. Kenny was the guy's name the Irish guy Yeah. and in fact at one stage the cousin was working in this place called the Cat Club and I was at the uh, the Jackson's World Tour opening in this place the Cat Club and I actually met Steve Ray Vaughan that night Oh, it was another it was incredible, genius, incredible, incredible, and it, you know because the cousin was working there, I was I was allowed in. You know, I still have the I still have the invite to it somewhere. You know, I must dig that out. <laughs> it's it's incredible, crack. But you know, I loved in terms of blues. You know, you don't go any further than Muddy Waters. You know, yeah, yeah. and mm. you know, Jimi Hendrix would have would have idolized Muddy Waters. And and in terms of guitar playing then, it's an interesting thing you said, you know, when was the first guitar? Well, the first electric guitar was uh, an ES-150 and a guy called Charlie Christian who was fantastic, fantastic guitar player. Effectively, he was the first electric guitar player and he was a major influence on, on Rory Gallagher. Also a major influence on, you know your man Derek Trucks yeah. Um, well, Derek Trucks actually his his son is called Charlie Christian Trucks, so there's no more influence that you <laughs> yeah. can have than that. But Charlie Christian's an incredible player, unbelievable. It, it, but it's amazing that the, the amount of so many fantastic guitar players. But it's a style; they have their own style. Yeah, and it, it's a, it's sort of thing that you'd love. You know, I'd love to play like that. But anyone can play like it if you study hard enough. And yeah, well, that's the thing. And you can become a solicitor too. Well, right? you know, <laughs> well allegedly. allegedly. I, should, I should have actually told you, allegedly was my favourite word. Oh, no, that's, yeah. <laughs> uh, what about your, you got one of your albums there we can show it to the people. Yeah, sure. It's, uh, you wrote all the songs yourself. Wrote all the songs myself. Is um, it here? It is called The Church of the, the Here and Now. Yeah, I recorded what? in in Carlingford. Well, mostly in Carlingford. Some of it was recording, recorded in Black Rock when Jason had the studio there. Yeah. Uh, myself and Jason have been doing this for more years than I care to remember. I just have to give him the, the ut- utmost praise. He's done a fantastic job mm. in engineering and uh, mixing it. He's done, I mean, the amount of people that have actually actually yeah. said to me, look, the, the mix in that is just great. He's a very talented young yeah, man. He's a fantastic fellow. Fantastic fellow. And I'm sure he's watching this now as well. I, <laughs> I'm going to combine the two professions. Does being a solicitor allow you to go over your music contracts a bit more? Do you find it gives you some? <laughs> do you find it gives you a bit of hold on? Is this guy screwing? I got an agent. <laughs> no, Is no. this guy screwing me uh, here or not? No, no. Well, well, if you're thinking that, uh, you're entirely right. Yeah. <laughs> Because any any limited uh, experience I have of music contracts is they're all entirely entirely uh, drafted against the artist. Yeah, and it's oh, a yeah. question of picking up on the holes. And if you don't pick up on the holes, you just you're they're just going to screw you. And if you do pick up, then they'll say, "Oh, we didn't really mean to put that in there." Mm. Oh, oh yeah, we can change that. Yeah. You know, there, there is a lot, of, a lot of artists that went through bad times. Yeah, they ended up with nothing. You know. Yeah. 
and uh, it is the same. You must read read over it. Yeah, because uh, you, they could. But it, it's the language, isn't it? Like in oh. perpetuity and all that. Kind oh yeah, well it's it's what I call the yes minister language. You know why say why say something in two words that are simple when you can say it in two hundred words that yeah. will confound you? <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, you know, it's a load of rubbish. Paddy, you wrote all the songs yourself. Yeah. And uh, some are from the heart. Well, they're all from the heart. Yeah, well, all from the heart. But yeah. there's one in particular we were talking about in the radio. Mm-hmm. About a friend of yours. Um, it is uh, is the blue of the night. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the yeah. blue of the night. Yeah, well, that came about because uh, it was during COVID and a friend of mine had died. And we were wondering whether we were going to go and stand outside the church in the funeral or what the hell we were going to do because nobody knew what to do in those circumstances during COVID. And I I was just saying, well, look, we might just we might just ring the house and see, you know, is it all right for us to go out there? And as I'm saying that, my phone rings with my friend's name on it. And... Um, it was his wife saying, oh, look, we'd, we'd love to see you out of the house. But, it, you know, it was really strange. And that's where that song actually came from. Because it, 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 uh, the first line, I think, is that there's a ghost calling on my, my telephone. Uh, but it's a very it's a very uh, heartfelt song, I yeah. have to say. You know? It's uh, explained that, you know, and it was a sad time for you. But it, it, they say that when writing stuff, either sad times, happy times, you know, or even unusual times, the song can come out, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you know, it's funny, the, the title track of the album is, an, an, again, it's another sad story, but um, it's, uh, the, the title track comes from a phrase from one of Roddy Doyle's books. Is <clears throat> a book called, Oh, Play That Thing Again. And the character becomes a minder for Louis Armstrong in Chicago. Right. But along the way, he, he meets this um, uh, rather uh, rotund black hooker. And her phrase is, I'm in the church of the here and now, baby. And that's where I got the phrase from. Oh, okay. But um, the actual song comes from another friend of mine who unfortunately had cancer. And he was getting chemo and and he was a very religious fella. And I'm not religious. And partly because of what happened to this guy. And he was saying, uh, yeah, no, no, I'm going to stop this chemo. God has told me I'm going to be all right. And he was convinced that God had told him that he was going to be all right, uh, that uh, the cancer was gone and he didn't have to have any further treatment and that was that and that he was going to be grand. And he died three months later. And that's where that song came from. The Church of the Here and Now. It's a, it's a great album. I'd, I'd recommend it. Mm-hmm. You can get it on, on iTunes yeah. Yeah. or Spotify yeah. mm-hmm. or Paddy's gigs, which are very good. I'm, I'm mad that I missed last Saturday night. I believe it was fantastic. I, it was good crack now, Paddy. But sure, hopefully you, you might make, make we might, we might even uh, You might even get to a gig here. So. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but mine's a lot different now. Um, I think we're coming close to, to the end. It was lovely having you here to talk about all this. What 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 is the future for Paddy Goodwin, apart from well, Coat? To be honest with you, I just don't know because... We, we've kind of achieved so much with this that even Paul Brady was saying to me on the phone the other day, well, what are you going to do now? Yeah. And mm-hmm. Like nine-star review in the hot press, mm. record of the week on three, on four different radio stations. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, really, I really don't know. I'm just going to take, I'm just going to take it all in and have a bit of crack. Oh. But, you know, the one thing I have to say to you, Paddy, as well, is that only for you playing my music, that album would never have come out. 
Are you only saying that? No, I'm not. I'm not. Because <laughs> you, you constantly encourage artists around the county and indeed around the country. And it's a huge thing for people to be heard on the radio. I think I said this thing on the radio yeah. show that one my mate who was playing guitar with me the other night, great guitar player, uh, you played Ben Reel and it ended up on his guitar solo and my song came in with my guitar player and that's never happened to the two of us and we've been playing together yeah. since 1977. It's not unreal, isn't it? Well, I think it's I think it's a huge credit to you, Paddy. Yeah, but the the reason now I'm a musician myself. Other people say it different, but anyway, you see, it, when you look when you look, you know, I know exactly what went into that album. I know the hard work, apart from the songwriting, the the going in, the days, even the days that you weren't in good form, but you had to get it out and yeah, all this. Yeah. I've been on albums. I've done it. I know what is true, and I think. That it's lovely <clears throat> to to be sitting listening to a radio and for some guy to say, "This is Paddy Goodwin's from his new album. It is available." Instead of picking the album up and playing it and say, "Oh, I like this song. I like listening to this one. I yeah. love the guitar." And but it's great that someone talks about you and says, "This is his album." But what I love is it's when people send in stuff. And you listen to it and you go, oh, my God. That's like, if, if I didn't say this was independent Irish artist, you wouldn't know. Mm. Yeah. Oh, no, you know, it, The quality. But there was a great one when Dundalk FM started off first when we put in for the license on the community uh, radio license. We were known as Dundalk Weekend Radio. It was DWR. We were on 107. Mm -hmm. And it was a very, you're given 31 days of a license. Right. But once that month's over, you can't apply till the next month. So what we used to do was we would have it done dark weekend radio and only have it on two days a week, which is Saturday and Sunday. Right. And we kept going. And then on the Saturday, I used to have the show still actually going with Damien McKenna on the radio at mm -hmm. the moment. It was called First Cut, as in your first album, your first cut. Mm -hmm. And I was asking on air for people to send in stuff that was coming in on tapes and we were putting in the tapes. But there was one day this woman rang and she says, uh, my son's playing a band. There's, my son's a drummer and guitar player and there's two other guys with them and they would love to hear the stuff. I says, have they recorded it? And they said, yeah, in the loft. I says, brilliant. Send it in and I play it. So I was thinking there was a studio in Monaghan called The Loft. Right. Uh, yeah. Said, yeah. Tommy, I, I, I yeah. recorded it myself. Yeah. Tommy, Tommy um, Flack. Yeah. yeah. And I, I says, geez, it must be good at, at the time. So it's a couple of hours later, the mother rang back and said, look, they don't think it's good enough for your show. I said, no, no. I says, it's local music. I want it in. So I said, no, it doesn't sound too good. I said, look, bring it in. So they brought it in, anyway, and all I could hear was the kick drum drowned in everyone. Right. And I said, what the hell? So I, before the mother left, and I was listening to it, I said, did the guy in the Loft studio listen to this? What studio? I said, the Loft. She said, no, <laughs> in the Loft of the house. <laughs> and I, I, I put it out on air, I said, this is incredible. I got the minute to play live. Yeah. And I mm. said, you know, and I was talking to Jason when he was in Bridge Street. And I right. said I said to Jason, what's the best you could do? 
He says, I can give you two hours. I says, how much? And at the time, that was nearly 20 years ago, he says, 100 pence. Right. I says, grand. And I put it out on air. And when in, I'd say, two hours, I got 100 pence. People sending in money. And the boys recorded, and then they broke up. Oh, wow. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. oh, that's a <laughs> lovely, lovely story, but then, yeah. But uh, they're still playing about, you know, but it was lovely that the kids just wanted to be heard on the radio. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then to be, uh, like every, I'm, I've seen myself on uh, pirate radios being asked in to talk about something. And yeah, your nerves are gone, you know. You're saying, am I going to say things right? But radio stations, the fella behind the mic is just the same as the guest. Yeah, yeah. He's worried what you're going to say. <laughs> yeah, what, what's it going to come out with next? <laughs> Allegedly. Yeah. Allegedly. Allegedly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and don't don't say anything liable. And then they said you're like what? Said, you'll know when I tell you. <laughs> you you'll know when I shit. Yeah, oh, and a lot of it at the moment. <laughs> but uh, Paddy, it was a pleasure having you. In. Well, listen, and, thanks very much. And man. listen, long long may the radio stations play this because it is a fantastic album. Get your hands on this, and uh, a great production done by Jason. And it's Paddy Goodwin and the Holy Ghost. Where did the Holy Ghost come from? Holy Ghost came from uh, the fact that I wanted to inspire young people to come up and play guitar. And in the initial gigs, we always used to have, in, uh, invariably, be the sons of friends of mine, and they, they'd come up and they'd do one number, and I'd make a big deal of them. Mm. Yeah, and also, I've been trying to encourage people like myself that that had played years ago, but have got out of practice and need a good a good kick in the ass to get back on stage good session. Mm. and, and uh, that, that's where it comes from trying to inspire people to play oh I thought it was just in him and the band you know the father or something <laughs> it was a three piece band well listen Paddy thank you for coming in to Thanks the Salvation Show and uh, the best of luck to you with your album and as I say if you do get a chance go and see the gig Paddy is live very a great show and uh, good luck to Jason as well if you want to record an album Jason Barley. He's the man. It's called the Shop Recording Studio in County. Yeah, can't recommend Jason more highly. Yeah. So it's goodbye from me, Paddy Mac. And goodbye from me, Paddy Goodwin. Thanks very much, Paddy.